Welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Uh, welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast. Uh, this time we're looking, we're back into the book. Um, we're looking at section 6D, which is called Clerking, an aid for decision making, um, which really means we're going to be talking about how we do business meeting, how Quakers make decisions. Um, and we started talking about this and then we're like, wait, hang on, we, instead of continuing with the reading, we need to start recording. So, um, and one, one thing I'd like to say out of the gate is that, um, it is widely believed. And I think mostly, mostly for good reasons, uh, that the business Quaker business process is something that all Quakers share. Um, I think that's of anything that Quakers share, this is the closest to being true. Mm -hmm. Um, regardless of where you go, um, Quaker business process, uh, while not being the same, uh, there's there's great similarity in the way decisions are made across most of the Quaker world. Uh, well, particularly, I would say most of the uh, most of the. I don't want to even say English speaking because Kenya is English speaking, for example, but it's it's a colonial it's a colonial space instead of a conquering space. Um, in, in the UK, in the United States, Canada. in Canada, in, in, in basically in, place, in places that colonized rather than being, co places that were colonizers rather than places that were colonized, um, the business process is generally very similar across, uh, across meetings. There are some exceptions, which I will talk about later, but in general, it's very similar. And so it's super interesting that like in all, in all, our, in all our differences, in all the content differences, some of the procedural stuff is generally the same across the branches. You know, right before we started recording, and I, I said, well, you've, you've, your parents were pastors, so you've been to, to business meeting with pastoral friends, right? It totally skipped out of my brain that I've been to a business meeting with pastoral friends, too, because I went to Skimp in October. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and I mean, so uh, did, did it stick out to you that the business meeting was extremely different at this no. other place? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's, but, let's maybe just give a little rundown about what the business, about just in general contours, cause it does vary. There are differences, mm -hmm. but in general contours sort of what is quicker business process in a nutshell. Um, so in general, the idea is that we are all, um, seeking to discern God's will for, for the community. Um, and that, uh, so, so you could call it a congregational business meeting. Usually it's, um, yeah, the entire, the entire meeting community is, um, invited to be there. There are plenty of people who go sitting around for two hours making business decisions. No, no, thank you. I'm, I'm going to go play with my kid. Self-selecting <laughs> self process. Right. Um, which and, often which often excludes people with life responsibilities. Right. And, and there is certainly a problem with a lot of meetings, not having childcare oh, during yeah. business meeting. And that keeps parents from being able to attend. Oh, so, yeah. um, certainly uh, I don't have kids, but I certainly appreciate that my meeting has childcare for every business meeting. Super important. Um, it's not like you have to ask in advance. There will be, there will be childcare. I'm um, Kane Tankers. I would just bring my kids to business meetings. See how people like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, so the idea is that we're all seeking to discern God's will, and um, at least as I've experienced it, there's uh, an agenda usually set in advance, although the agenda can be kind of flexible if it needs to be, um, but just so people know, you know, here's what we're planning on talking about. 
Um, and the clerk will bring up, you know, in the book, it talk, the book is actually talking about the clerking part specifically. So the, the presiding clerk, um, they set an agenda, um, they bring up each topic and, you know, help facilitate moving through them. Um, if somebody has, uh, something that they believe is, it's something relevant to the topic that they believe God wants them to say on the topic, then they say it. Generally, um, you don't speak more than once on a given agenda item, but speaking more than once throughout the entire business meeting would not be unusual. The, the principle here, and that becomes important in larger groups, but the principle here is that um, the meeting for worship should be a time of shared listening for God's guidance rather than a back-and-forth discussion. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, and actually that's something, is that it's meeting for worship with a, for the conduct of business. Liberal Quakers say that. Oh, okay. How, how do how do others... Well, I mean, like, so the, I particularly, because of my because of my experience in Ohio in the meeting, uh, I've, I've been a little bit touched by, by, by the, that perspective. And I think a lot of folks in Ohio in the meeting, for example, uh, would say, well, no, I mean, a business meeting is a business meeting, and a meeting for worship is a meeting for worship. They are not the same thing. They are both good. Okay. Whereas I think with liberal Quakers, we make sure to say the for worship for the content of business to remind people yeah. that we're supposed to be doing this worshipfully. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think I think it's good. It's good to remind. Uh, it's good to remind ourselves that you know meetings for business are to be held in a worshipful spirit because the whole point. The, I see where liberal friends are coming from. The whole meeting for worship with attention to business in that both the worship experience and the business meeting experience are ultimately about hearing and responding to God's will. So they are, they are similar in that regard and they come from the same principles. Um, and um, sometimes you'll hear people say that we decide things by consensus, which uh, somebody wrote a book in like the seventies or something Be- where beyond beyond majority rule by Michael Sheeran. It's an amazing book. Thank you. I highly recommend uh, it. Well, uh, I think we're talking, wait, I think we're thinking of different books. We may be. There's, cause I was told that there was a woman who wrote a book decades ago where she was not a Quaker. She watched and then, um, wrote a book saying, Hey, people should do consensus because it works for Quakers. And without like understanding that it's not just, we've found something that we can all agree on. Yeah. Well, so I'm not, I'm not sure whether we're talking about different, cause I think the author of this one's a man. Um, I think, and I think he's a Roman Catholic, uh, but he, uh, the, the book is beyond majority rule. I believe the author's name is Michael Sheeran and it's really excellent, uh, because he actually, he doesn't just give sort of like a, just simply a modern day perspective of Quaker meaning for business. Although he does do that because he actually went, and spent a significant amount of time researching in Philadelphia yearly meeting, going to business meeting, observing the practice, mm-hmm. taking notes, basically as like a sociologist or an anthropologist, uh, observing what's actually happening as, as an observer. Um, but he also gives an extensive treatment of, uh, of Quaker history mm-hmm. and how, and Quaker history with the objective of looking at how Quaker business process emerged mm-hmm. and it's really, really interesting to read because he, as a Roman Catholic, he's very concerned, as I think most Christians are when you get into the deep theology, mm-hmm. um, he's very concerned with the idea of infallibility. 
Um, and, and actually, he, he, helps, he helped me realize how important the idea of infallibility is to all Christians and, like, what's infallible. And for the Roman Catholic Church, it's the church structure uh, is infallible and, in like, basically, like, teaching correct doctrine. For Protestants, what, for Protestants, what is treated as infallible is the Bible mm-hmm. um, and implicitly a certain interpretations of the Bible. Uh, and, but for Quakers, and he, he draws this out in the text, for Quakers, what's infallible is the Holy Spirit. And so finding that infallible source of truth in the meeting for worship, in the meeting for business, and that being the foundation. Okay. Yeah, I think we're, we're thinking of different books. I haven't, I haven't read that one either, but I just, I remember being told about um, how the, the inter, like the use of consensus to describe what we're doing um, was a, like there was like a secularization of it. Yeah. And there was some book that, that really secularized it. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway. Um, so that, so I think we've just sort of described what like sort of the general contours of the meetings yeah. of business are. Um, and I think that, I think that some of the differences, uh, like one of the differences I think is probably that um, in different contexts, there's a different level of sort of uh, the ability of the clerk I guess the, the, a certain level of authority given to the clerk. Mm-hmm. I think probably in a lot of uh, liberal Quaker groups, the clerk has less authority, and the clerk is more uh, is more like a clerk in the sense of like they're there to record decisions and to and to, to to take notes on the on on the will of the group. But on the other hand, um, as pointed out, as as the book points out on page one thirty four, um, in like my experience with liberal groups is that you don't speak during business meeting until the clerk says that you're allowed to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas they say in here that in Ohio yearly meeting, and I've been to a few of their business meetings, but, and I hadn't, I don't think I'd noticed them doing this, mm-hmm. but things just kind of just flow very nicely there. And I'd pay a lot much, yeah. <laughs> like it didn't pay attention to the structure of that, that um, people would just speak to the, to the business when they felt moved and you know obviously the uh uh bias or attitude of the people who wrote this book is in favor of the ohio yearly meeting thing because they're all ohio people and so they're they're like those people who are who are saying you you have to wait for the clerk to acknowledge you they are are you know stifling stifling the spirit yeah i think i think I really understand why liberal Quakers often, and not just liberal Quakers, actually, I, I think I think among traditionalist pastoral Quakers, you also need to be, I think in general, probably outside of Ohio in the meeting, you probably need to be acknowledged by the clerk to speak in a formal business meeting. Um, so I think that's actually fairly normative. I think Ohio is the outlier here. Okay. Um, but I, I, I think that Ohio does it better. I think they do it better, but it's not because, but that's not to say that the others are doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I think the reason Ohio you're in the meeting uh, is able to do things the way they do, where you don't need to be acknowledged by the clerk to speak, but you just speak when you're moved by God, is that in a higher yearly meeting, and I want to emphasize that I, I do not see a higher yearly meeting as perfect. They have plenty of problems. <laughs> but, so, like, I just want to put that out there, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be in a higher yearly meeting, like, fundamentalist here. But in a higher yearly meeting, there is a much, uh, there, there, is a, there is a culture of treating the meeting for worship I'm sorry, for treating the meeting for business as a worshipful space and for treating speaking in the meeting for business as something of weight and something of spiritual discernment 
rather than as a matter of personal opinion. Mm-hmm. There's more of a culture of that. And so I think they are, they are able to afford themselves more liberty because they're, they have that culture and they have a greater discipline in terms of speaking. So I think in most Quakers... That, that, that people aren't going to abuse the fact that they can just speak. Right. And, and I mean, honestly, if someone, is abusing, if someone is abusing that, the clerk has the authority in Ohio to the meeting to ask them to leave space. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think that uh, most Quakers, not just liberal, but I think in t- also traditionalist pastoral um, Quaker groups... I think that they lean on they lean on uh, a formal sort of a formal bureaucratic authority for the clerk in order to maintain order. Mm-hmm. But another way to maintain order, and to be frank, this is sort of the gospel way of maintaining order, is to change your spirit and to change your culture. And I think this is a, this is an area where hierarchy meeting succeeds more than others. Um. So another thing that's uh, that they talk talk about in the book when they're talking about like what the role of the clerk is, is um, that there are, are two parts, that there's the presiding and the recording. And um, in some yearly meetings, these are done by two different people. You have a presiding clerk and a recording clerk. Um, and sometimes it's one person. Um, I'm in Baltimore yearly meeting. I have always seen a separate presiding clerk and recording clerk. But when visiting Ohio yearly meeting, yep, they had, or like, I so... I've been to quarterly meetings and monthly meetings at um, Marlboro Friends meeting, mm-hmm. and their clerk Bridget, she would do both. Um, when I visited Sierra Cascades yearly meeting, um, they had separate presiding recording clerks. This, but we should explain what the presiding and the recording are. Well, so again, I want to I want to <laughs> point out that this is I actually really think like the. The, the differences in Quaker business process, there are little, little differences when you go different places, but I think the major divide in Quaker business is, uh, is actually between conservative Quakers and everybody else. Okay. Uh, I think conservative Quakers are the weird ones. Now, with the caveat that they're among, among what I would call the hyper-evangelical yearly meetings, the, 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 the evangelical Quaker groups that are very, very, very strongly identified with mainstream evangelicalism, that is also a divide, and there's a difference there which we can talk about. Okay. But... But I think among the main among the main line of Quakerism, the real the real difference mm-hmm. is between conservative Quakers and, and everybody. everybody. Else. Yeah. <laughs> and I also want to point out that um, I often, I think we often, especially since we're reading this book about Ohio Yearly Meeting, we often will talk about Ohio Yearly Meeting versus whatever. But in this particular case, in terms of business process, I think it's fair to say conservative Quakers because. I've seen a similar process in Iowa and North yeah, Carolina. I, just, I don't meetings. know anybody. Well, I don't know anybody those yearly meetings, yeah. so I don't have any point of comparison. But I, but I think I think in terms of the quick in terms of the uh, the question of like how the clerk's role operates, I think this is a, this is a particularly conservative distinction uh, that I hope will will catch on beyond conservatives, <laughs> and, and I, I think maybe has to some extent. But um, so. We yeah. still haven't said what presiding and right. recording are, though. Okay, so so when I when I uh, first became a Quaker, I became a Quaker as a member of uh, Great Plains Yearly Meeting, which is a little yearly meeting out in Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. And they use the business process that you you know that generally you will see almost everywhere, uh, which is you have a presiding clerk and a recording clerk. The presiding clerk uh, sort of manages the meeting for business, recognizes people when they ask to speak. Um, and helps helps the group uh, clarify what their decisions are, or what 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 decisions uh, the group perceives the Holy Spirit is leading them into. Right? Um, the recording clerk 
keeps minutes of the meeting. And this looks really different depending on where you are. Minutes are probably one of the most variable, are definitely the most variable part of this process. In some places, like I think probably in Baltimore, you're in a meeting, if I recall correctly, um, minutes are sprawling and extensive and have lots of detail uh, where, you, you know, you, you almost get down to the level of back and forth opinions yes. in the minutes. Um, yes, we'll have, um, we heard from a friend about. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so the, the, other, the other end of the spectrum on this, which you see in Ohio in the meeting and some other places, uh, is all that is recorded, the, the, the minutes are very selective, and all that is recorded are decisions and information needed to understand why the decisions were made. Right? Right. And so, um, in, and, and so, so in most yearly meetings, there is a presiding clerk who manages the meeting, and, and, and helps articulate the sense of the meeting about decisions. Um, and there's a recording clerk who writes everything down. Um, in conservative yearly meetings, uh, there is only one clerk. There's the presiding clerk, although they're usually called the clerk. Um, and they record as well. The, as they're going. As they're going. And this, this lends itself to a very different pace of meeting and a very different way of doing things where... Um, a decision... Uh, there, there, there is there's conversation around the decision. Um, a sense of the meeting begins to emerge, and the clerk uh, will ask for time. Say, like, please hold me up in prayer while I write down what I think is the sense of the meeting here. Mm-hmm. They will present a draft minute, uh, and the draft minute will 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 be the language of the decision. And they'll they will read that out to the to the to the congregation, and folks will basically be able to affirm the minute as written, or we'll be able to say, well, I think something's missing, or I think something's incorrect about that, or you're missing the point, clerk. Um, mm-hmm. But when the decision is made, in, this, in, this more, in, this, in the conservative way of doing things, when the decision is made, uh, the minute is approved, right? So mm-hmm. to make the decision is to approve the minute, right? Right. Whereas in the in typically in the there may be places where this isn't true actually but typically in the presiding clerk recording clerk model, um, the uh, it's almost a transcript but it, not it, quite. It's, it's a tra- like an anonymized transcript with summaries. Right is what the recording clerk is doing in those. And and I find that and I find that often in the in the in the presiding recording model, um, the decision is made, but the decision is not the minute in that sense. We're like we're like we're not approving the minute. We're we're approving what yes. we just said, yeah, well, and then we'll and then we'll write it down. Well, it's okay. So we're all agreed that we're going to do blah, right? And and, then and everybody says approved, and then right. And so in the most extreme form of this, which I, I believe I did see in Great Plains during the meeting, and I've seen in plenty of other yearly meetings, it's pretty typical. Um, the most extreme version of, of this is uh, you you agree to things in the meeting for business. The recording clerk takes notes. And then at the next meeting for business, which could be a day or more later, you reread the minutes and then approve the minutes. Yeah, and and in my meeting, Adelphi Friends meeting, we um, email out the draft minutes some weeks after the business meeting. Um, people have time to look them over, correct the spellings of their names on the nominations, <laughs> etc. And then at the next business meeting, which is a month later, well, I mean, you know, a month like one month after the, the one where the minutes were taken, mm-hmm. um, at the end of meeting, say, okay, and now for approving last month's 
minutes? Are you know, are there any corrections needed? Okay, are they approved? And then we'll so, say yes, no, then. In theory, could someone say that decision wasn't what it says here? Yes. See, for conservative friends, and for me, quite frankly, that's an extreme problem. Uh, the beauty of the conservative model uh, in this case is that, like, when you approve the minutes, you just approved the minute. Mm-hmm. Like, the decision is the minute. And so you can't go back later right. and say, like, well, no, that's not right. It's like, well, we approved that exact well, and, and I don't actually know why my meeting does it as a month apart, because on the other hand, when I, like, in Baltimore yearly meeting um, at our interim sessions, because we don't only meet yearly, um, at our interim sessions, the way it's been done is that um, there's several presiding and recording clerk, and then every half hour or so we'll pause, or, like, after after to sit maybe after, maybe after a decision or maybe after like two or three decisions we'll pause and um, the presiding clerk will ask the recording clerk for the minutes so far mm-hmm. and the recording clerk and actually uh, to Park friends meeting does this as well, but they have the same recording clerk as BYM. Um, he'll read out, um, you know, a long section of minutes, ask for corrections or an approval then for, okay, so for the last half hour's worth of minutes, do we approve or do we need corrections? And so then it's at least the same people there, and it's pretty immediate. That's better. What I don't understand, honestly, like, it's it's not only that, like, I think the conservative way of doing things is better, but I I genuinely don't understand why the other ways could be considered more helpful. Like, is time saved by doing it this way? Like, it seems like the same amount of time. You just yeah, spend it on the front or on the back. I really have no idea why. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I have seen useful is that when you do it as written minutes as opposed to read out loud minutes is that you can tell people that they spelled your name wrong. Yeah. Well, those, those kind of things can be corrected later, too, even in the conservative model. Like, you can correct spelling. You just don't correct... You don't content. Correct, yeah, content. So... Um... So a part of this, a part of the section that we're reading is like really about the role of the clerk, um, and and I was saying earlier, and maybe I was wrong in saying it, but at the very beginning of this of this episode, I was saying that I thought that um, the conservative model gave like the more tradi- like yeah the conservative model or you might say the more traditionalist model gives more authority to the clerk, and maybe that's not true. Um, but uh, but I, I want want to maybe have some back and forth about I think that. Maybe more responsibility to the clerk because the clerk has to synthesize the messages into one united whole. I, I guess like, and this may this may not be actually a conservative thing. This may be this may be, or may not only a conservative thing, but I feel like in more pastoral branches in particular, and maybe in conservative friends, um, the clerk theoretically, and I think this is I think this is theoretically true in a lot of places. The clerk theoretically has a lot of authority to declare what the sense of the meeting is, even if a large part of the meeting disagrees. Um, and this happens. Uh, an example an example I'd, I could give uh, is rare, but it happens. Um, and, and an example would be, um, I know that in Northwest Yearly Meeting many years ago, like maybe 10 or, 10 or 20 years ago, um, they, there was a disagreement about whether they should affiliate to FWCC. And there were... Uh, there were some, there were some, some, some elders, uh, chronologically elders. I'm not sure if they were formally elders, but they're older people um, in 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 the meeting uh, who thought that it was absolutely unacceptable to affiliate to FWCC because of the liberal agenda they represented, um, and that it would connect them, you know, with 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 uh, LGBTQ affirming with, with us with groups. us heathen liberal Quakers, yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and so, so there was disagreement about this, and. Um, 
at a certain point, the clerk asks, uh, you know, the, 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 the small but significant number of people who were just digging in their heels about this, you know, what they would need to hear to be able to move forward. Like what was, you know, what, what, what could be done to address their concern? And basically the response was, there's nothing you can do to address my concern. Like, I'm never going to agree to this. At that point, the clerk said, okay, well, the sense of the meeting is that we're going to affiliate with FWCC because you, you guys aren't listening anymore. Uh, and it seems pretty clear what the sense of the meeting is. Um, and so this is something that's really powerful about the role of the clerk um, in many places, is that the clerk has the authority to declare the sense of the meeting even in the face of strong disagreement within the body. And this can be abused. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, if it is abused, the clerks can be replaced pretty soon. Um, but oh, but wouldn't that involve changing their term? <laughs> um, but I'm but, being sarcastic for the record. Yeah. Um, but but so like I, I think I think this is this is something that's really important. I think in the Quaker tradition that a lot of Quakers aren't aware of is that when we say when we say that it's not consensus, it's the sense of the meeting. This is a part of it. Mm-hmm. We don't all have to agree to make a decision. It, right. We do not have to be unanimous to make a sense of the meeting decision. Mm-hmm. And, actually, and the, the clerk is instrumental in making that call because the clerk is the only person qualified and who has the authority to say, despite the fact that 10% of our members did totally disagree with this, we are doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is that the clerk is supposed to be coming in not having their own decision either way. Like they're supposed to essentially be detached mm-hmm. and, and going by... Um, what is the, and that's why it's sense of the meeting. Like what is the general sense of the whole group as the, of the group as a whole? And you can have a general sense and still have somebody who's not in full agreement. Which is, which actually, is, which is, I'm sorry, but it's really, really hard to clerk in a tiny group because, because I've been a part of a meeting mm-hmm. of literally five members, five, right. And there are five of us at business meeting. One of us is the clerk. And like, there were times when we really needed the clerk's opinion. We needed her guidance as an individual, not just like as not not just the administrative job of the clerk, but we needed her to give right. us her sense. And she didn't feel like she could because she was the clerk, right? And like, and it says in you know in, in the book they say that you know it's uh, standing aside from the table and, and being like, okay, I'm standing away from the table, so now I'm an individual and here's my opinion, and now I'm back behind the table, so now I'm the clerk again. They're like, that that's not really that's cool. A ter- that's a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. They're like, that's that's manipulating. Don't do that. But I. That, that is a good point about small groups, and it's funny because this book is written by, you know, people where the typical meeting is less than 10 people. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, the, the person I'm talking about is one of the authors of this book, and she's an excellent clerk. She's one of the best clerks. She's one of the best living clerks in North America. Um, Susan. Yeah. Susan. <laughs> yeah. Let's, 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 I'm like, let's, I'm, like there, I'm like, this book is written by three men and a woman. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be Susan. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Susan, Susan Smith is a phenomenal clerk. Uh, I'm pretty sure she has taught workshops on clerking. She should teach more workshops on clerking because she's an expert, although she would never, ever say so. Um, but uh, it was a difficult thing in Rockingham meeting where my, my wife and I were members uh, and it was still our affiliate members. Um, in business meeting, we need. Sometimes we really felt like we needed Susan's guidance, and she, she her, her her philosophy on clerking, which in general I agree with, is that you shouldn't be in it. Uh, and so she she stayed back from it, and, and sometimes that was really hard. So being in a very very small group with a with a clerk who with a clerk who retains sort of um, the clerk 
ideally, I think in the conservative mind, and I think in my mind, the clerk is, is sort of like an interpreter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clerk is listening. And the clerk, so like when you're interpreting, so like I, I've, I've, I've done like simultaneous interpretation between English and Spanish. And when you were interpreting through two people speaking, you sort of just become this conduit, mm-hmm. right? And I think at, at its best, clerking becomes something like that, where like you are listening so much to how God is speaking through the group and among the group that you sort of lose yourself in it and your focus becomes entirely the will of God in the group and not your own opinion. I mean, I, I think that that's probably, I don't think that's only in the conservative thing. I think that's true regardless. I would say uh, that ideally we would all act like the clerk. Well, ideally we would all take a step back and really try to hear how God is speaking in the group and mm-hmm. through the group and not try to speak our own opinions. But for the clerk, it's a special discipline because they're, they're uniquely responsible. Right. You know. But but I, I think I think that the clerk is not only acting in that way in conservatives. I think that's that's how it is or should be in general. I guess I guess um, the difference the difference that I've experienced with um, I, you're right. I think I think the difference that I've that I've experienced in some Quaker groups, and it's not only conservative Quaker groups, actually, um, is that. Along with along with the great responsibility that the clerk has comes authority too, and like I say, like I don't know if I don't know how often, if ever, it, it happens in liberal Quaker groups that a, that a clerk would move ahead of the decision despite opposite like outstanding opposition, but like that can happen in other Quaker groups where the clerk has more authority. Um, I know with my meetings, decisions about um, about renovations because we have run out of space for first day school classrooms and we don't have enough space for our after meeting potlucks and all of that. Um, there was definitely contentious business meetings and it took several business meetings to decide what our floor plan was going to be. Um, the final one of those involved, um, you know, we'd, we'd gotten down to two possible floor plans and the clerk asked, are we in unity on this one? And there were a lot of people who said, no. Okay. So are we in unity on the other one? And only a few people said no that time. And so then those people were asked to speak, um, share their concerns, share, share why they're in opposition. And every single one of them said, you know, here's, here's the thing, here's the problem I have with it, but I can recognize that the group is going the other direction. I'm clear, I'm not in unity with this decision, but I see that the sense of the meeting is for it. It's, it's nice in those situations, and frankly, in such, such like, decisions of limited consequence, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's nice when people can stand aside, although I think sometimes standing aside happens far too early in the process. This was, like, three years. Oh, wait, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I, I've, there have been times when I have clerked. Not too loud. There, there have been times when I have clerked where I've been, I've, I've been extremely frustrated when people stood aside as, like, first thing. Like, they're like, oh, I disagree, but I stand aside. I'm like, no, no, we haven't even listened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes some, something that someone's like, oh, I'll just stand aside. It's like, maybe you, were, maybe you were hearing right, and maybe we should have listened. But you stand, you stood like aside movie, immediately. It's like the movie Minority Report. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, but uh, I, think, I think it's nice when people at a certain point can stand aside because they realize that even though they disagree, that there is a sense of the meeting. I think, some, again, just to repeat... So there's something really important in the Quaker tradition, which is that like sometimes people won't stand aside, and the clerk can still say, "We're moving ahead anyway." Mm-hmm. And um, 
something that we haven't talked about that is mentioned toward the end of this chapter in the book is um, that everybody who's in there and, like, the clerk have to all be comfortable with the fact that there's going to be a bunch of silence. Like, the clerk can't just be, like, sitting there like, okay, so anybody going to say anything about the agenda item I brought up? Hello? Anyone? Because there's going to be, a, you know, it's pretty common that there's a little while where people are sitting there and waiting for there to be something for them to say. If anything, uh, it's often the clerk's role to impose more silence. Right. Uh, that's, it's a pretty, it's, it's one of the most basic clerking maneuvers is to ask for more silence. And mm-hmm. it's, it's appropriate in a variety of situations. But generally when you want, when you want, when people, when you, when you as the clerk are perceiving that the group isn't listening as deeply as they need to, it's a good thing to say, hey, let's, let's recenter in prayer and, and, and fix our minds on God and then we'll come back to this. You can find us on the web at quakerpodcast.org as Quaker Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon and on iTunes.